Hello, I'm Ian Madison, a fellow in the International Development Department and the producer of the Refugee Realities podcast series. In this series, students from the course on refugees and forced migration here at the LSE bring us interviews with a range of people on the topic, covering the policies and politics that shape asylum to the lived experiences of refugees themselves. Two continents, two journeys, one final destination. Paul and Noor come from very different places and backgrounds, but they share one thing, the experience of being a refugee in Austria. In this episode, Simona speaks with Paul and Noor about their incredible stories and finds out how refugees themselves think the system could be improved. Simona Camellini is from Italy and a student in the Gender, Development and Globalization program at the LSE. After a bachelor's degree in intercultural and linguistic mediation, she completed a master's degree in conference interpreting and worked as a freelance interpreter and translator for over five years, finally working at the European Commission for one year. Since 2010, she's also been collaborating with a development NGO operating in the field of children's education and humanitarian relief in the Global South. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, my name is Simona Camellini and today I will be hosting a podcast on forced migration and refugees with two incredible guests who are joining me remotely and who will be sharing their extraordinary experiences of refugeehood. My guests are Paul from Nigeria, who's been living in St. Pölten, a city near the Austrian capital Vienna since 2014, and Noor from Syria, who's been living in Vienna since 2017. Paul has just completed a degree in design and material culture, and Noor is currently attending a master's in public administration at the Central European University in Vienna. And she's also participating in an international social action project called the Disagreement Project. Welcome to both of you, and thank you very much for accepting to share your personal stories with us. So let's start. Can you tell us where and how your first experience with the refugee system was? Noor, would you like to start? Yes, of course. Hi, Simona. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much for this interview and thanks to LSE for hosting this podcast. So to your question, um, my first experience with the refugee system was when I applied for asylum in Vienna in late 2017. It was a difficult experience since it was unexpected being in a new country, knowing that you can't go back to your own country dealing with legal issues and signing official papers. And the fact that you tell your very personal story to the police, which would be translated in a language that you don't know. Although the process was well organized and the procedures were conducted in a respectful manner, it was still difficult. And it is until now a cold memory. Of course, I understand. And how about you, Paul? Yeah, uh, hi, Simona, hi, No. My first uh, experience with the refugee system was actually a very unpleasant one uh, because I was detained for three months in a prison camp uh, in a city called El Hovo in Bulgaria. Uh, but after an oral complaint by me and other detainees at the facility to a human rights watch reporter on the conditions of, and treatments uh, we received both from officials and security workers, we were then released to an open camp uh, in Hamali. There, it wasn't also, the living conditions wasn't also better, but at least we had the freedom to go out from 8 till 10 p.m. in the evening. So as refugees, we faced a lot of uh, difficulties. 
and being a West African immigrant didn't make it any easier. So we, I had to face discriminations and um, we also organized a couple of protests in the camp just that we get uh, equal treatment like the other asylum seekers in the camp, but most of the time uh, nothing changed until I decided to leave Bulgaria and then I made my way to Serbia, Hungary and before I arrived uh, in Austria. From what I understand, no matter how smoothly things can go, applying for asylum is always a very delicate, complicated and deeply traumatizing experience on several levels. However, I think it is fair to say that you are now both very well integrated into the Austrian society. Was it always the case or was it easy for you? Um, can you tell us a bit more about your personal experience and do you know other refugees who were perhaps less lucky than you? Uh, yes, if I may uh, answer this. Um, uh, integration has two different tracks, right? The official one, which involves several organizations and state institutions and consists of a series of integration courses and language learning and the social individual track, which is in details different for everyone. While the first is very crucial in paving the way for the latter, the perception of the hosting society has a fundamental effect on the social integration. As you mentioned, Simona, I was and still am lucky to have several friends who have uh, helped me in navigating through the new system, learning the language, learning about the culture, and most importantly, they let me feel welcomed. Um, I'm really and deeply grateful for their support and presence. I can say that I have families in Austria. Unfortunately, this is not always the case for everyone. Yeah, indeed. And Paul, do you share Noor's view? And I mean, you mentioned that you were detained and mistreated, but I know your story is really extraordinary. Would you mind sharing it with us? Yeah, for sure. Uh, on the contrary, I uh, didn't have the, uh, the opportunity to, get the, uh, to go through the integration process uh, from the state or from the um, uh, uh, official integration systems. So my integrations was uh, basically uh, possible through individual efforts. And my, um, I wouldn't say it's, it was always easy for me in Austria because my first few months in Austria was very, uh, very difficult. Uh, for the fact that I already applied for asylum in Bulgaria and Hungary, respectively. And uh, according to the Do uh, Dublin rules, uh, which were at that time uh, strictly observed in Austria, I was not allowed to apply for another asylum elsewhere in the, in the EU. So because of that, uh, because Bulgaria was responsible for my asylum procedure. So it took about eight months three negatives and three appeals before I was granted the chance to apply for protection in Austria. And in that time, I already had contact with an Austrian man whom I met on my way to the pharmacy uh, during my stay in the camp in Transkirchen. And he uh, decided to help me after I told him my story. That is really amazing. And what happened next? What did you do while you were waiting for the court's decision? Yeah, while waiting for the court decisions, I, uh, he emphasized on the importance of me learning German. Uh, so uh, we decided that I started a German language course and uh, he was actually, uh, he was the one who actually sponsored that. 
So before I got the decision, the decision from the court, I already had uh, uh, R2 certificate in German. So with that, I could make my way to a foundation course, which lasted two semesters, uh, just to get prepared for the university studies. And uh, yeah, I was successful in that program and um, also made a lot of uh, academic uh, progress. And he was convinced to sponsor me to further study in the universities. Yeah, that's really incredible, Paul. I think you were really, really lucky. And your story makes me very emotional. But I suppose many more people were much less lucky than you were. Um, now, on to the next question. I myself lived in Austria for four years, and I must say that out, as a white Western woman, I never had any problems. I was always regarded as a sort of first class migrant, but I'm assuming things were quite different for both of you. So I wanted to ask you, have you ever experienced any forms of racism, xenophobia, Islamophobia, and if yes, by whom and on what occasions? Paul, perhaps you want to start? Uh, it's you again, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I actually have experienced uh, racism in different occasions uh, throughout my journey, I would say. Uh, the most remarkable was by policemen around uh, Josefstätte metro station in Austria, in Vienna to be precise. Uh, it was like a regular police control. And uh, as a black guy, we always get this, uh, pro we always have this problem of being stereotyped. So um, during the control, the policeman actually repeatedly called me a nigger and told me to go back to Africa that I'm not welcomed in Austria. For me, that was, um, that was a very down moment and a very unforgettable experience as well. And that happened in 2017. Wow, that, that is absolutely terrible. I can imagine how shocked and outraged you, you must have been. And by that time, you'd been living in Austria for three years, and I imagine you could speak German and you were already very integrated, very well integrated. So it must have been really shocking for you. Yeah, uh, for sure. It was very shocking. And um, I felt really bad uh, because of that. And uh, to say the least, I was already integrated. I had, I had made Austrian friends and I live with Austrians. And um, I also uh, talked German to the level of B2. So it was, it was really, really, really bad to go through that experience. And that was... That's the reason why I said it's kind of unforgettable for me. Of course, and especially from state authorities. And Noor, have yeah. you experienced similar, have you had similar experiences? Well, uh, personally, I haven't experienced any of this. Uh, however, as Paul, uh, Paul stated, uh, I know several people who unfortunately have faced di discrimination of different types on different occasions. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. At least you were safe. Um, talking about your background, Noor, um, you studied at the Higher Institute of Dramatic Arts in Damascus and graduated from the Faculty of Pharmacy at Damascus University, if I'm correct. Your experience ranges from theatre and dance to social work and journalism. Before becoming a refugee yourself, you held contemporary dance workshops with international refugee children in Syria and co-conducted training on conflict analysis and intervention strategies with ISCAN and the World Youth Academy. You've also spoken on numerous high profile panels on refugee and migration issues, highlighting young female voices. So I really wanted to ask you, 
to what extent do you think being a woman influence your experience and how do you think that the refugee regime could and should be improved in order to become more gender sensitive? Yeah, uh, of course, being a woman has influenced my experience in different aspects. For example, I have heard several times that people feel more comfortable when dealing with a woman of a refugee background than with a man. I don't know here if Paul would agree with this. Um, also, uh, from my own observation, uh, many women have integrated faster than men have. Uh, however, there are some stereotypes uh, about women who come from developing countries. For example, dependency on men, being victims, being followers. When it comes to uh, women's rights, uh, they are respected in Austria. The law protects women and there are many uh, facilities to guarantee these rights. This is one of the positive things that women of a refugee background are experiencing in Austria. There are several programs dedicated exclusively to women as part of the integration process. Nevertheless, providing information and access to resources is one important thing but there is a need for more culturally sensitive approaches while designing these programs for more effectiveness, inclusion and understanding. So um, all in all, you would say that being a woman made your experience of refugee easier. Um, that is really interesting since the refugee regime is often accused of being androcentric or written with the male refugee in the mind. And as you said, women tend to be seen as dependent victims and therefore as economic burdens for the host countries. Um, their political claims are therefore often disregarded. But I'm really, really glad to hear that this was in your case. Yeah, uh, if I may here, I have to emphasize uh, that, uh, of course, I can generalize also the social security system in uh, Austria plays a role in this, which could be different in uh, other hosting countries. In any case, empowering women, regardless of their backgrounds or their starting points, uh, is beneficial for both sides. Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, my next question to both of you is, what has been the most difficult moment for you in a foreign country, far away from your family and friends? Paul? Oh, um, yeah, my most difficult moment would, um, I would say it's the time when I left um, a refugee camp in Transkeken uh, for the fear of being deported to Bulgaria without having a place to stay because obviously I was in a foreign country and I was just about a couple of months in Austria at that time. So I uh, went to a social, um, to an NGO which uh, provides shelter for refugees and um, assistance where I couldn't uh, get a place there because it was kind of urgent. And at that point was when I decided to contact my host and he took me in to stay at his place. So that's how I started to live with him. And um, what about you, Noor? Yeah, uh, one of the most difficult feelings really is worrying about my family uh, since they are still there and uh, while being so far away from them not knowing what the next day will bring to them and to all people in my country. Maybe it's the feelings that you are disabled sometimes while witnessing disasters happening all over the world. You can't do much. But what saves me is the hope and belief that everyone can contribute to the change for a better world, no matter where they are. Definitely. Um, and I'm sure most refugees can relate to that. 
Um, I have one last question, which is a difficult question, but also a crucial one. And that is, what would you say to governments that see refugees as a threat and as a burden? And how do you think the system could be improved? This is actually two questions, sorry. In my opinion, I think refugees shouldn't be seen as a burden because they are also individuals uh, with reasoning and potentials to make a positive impact in different ways. Uh, and considering the magnitude of stress and dangers most of us experience on our, in our journey, I think no one would deliberately embark on such journey if they have one food on their plate, a place to lay their head in peace, of course. And um, secondly, I think the asylum system could be much better if um, refugees uh, would uh, get more uh, chance to get educations and um, uh, self-improvement and to develop uh, uh, skills. And uh, moreover, if the waiting time could be reduced as well. And for those of us coming from countries considered non-warring countries, for example, uh, I'm from Nigeria, I think the, 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 the application should be given uh, individual uh, considerations and priorities rather than uh, having a general view of the whole people. Does, I think that with that, it could be much better for, for people who have genuine reasons to apply for asylum in other countries. Absolutely, there should be a case-by-case -case evaluation. Uh, Noor, do you agree with Paul? And what else would you say? Yes, uh, I definitely agree with Paul. Um, migration in general has become a very present topic, uh, particularly in relation to national security and national identity, especially with the rise of the right wing and populism. The topic is highly politicized and is being used for political gains. While this is clearly not in line with human rights, it's also contributing to serious problems such as increased human trafficking, the creation of uh, parallel societies, obstacles in integration, discrimination, and hence planting the seeds of conflicts. I believe that the pandemic that we are all globally facing has proven to which extent we are all connected. The fact is that migration is a historic movement which contributed to a great deal of our progress as human beings. In addition to the accelerated problems that we are facing from climate change to deep inequalities to conflicts and wars, considering all of that, closing borders, building walls and increasing security will not solve any of these challenges. Political will is crucial to cooperation on a global level, the contribution to enhancing the conditions of life, peace building and conflict resolutions in the countries of origin may help many people to have a future in their own countries with emphasizing still the human rights for free mobility and asylum. And again, as Paul mentioned, in the hosting countries, migrants and refugees are great human resources. They can contribute to the hosting societies on different levels, while also adding to the cultural diversity, promoting tolerance and openness. These values, in my opinion, are at the core of our humanity and civilization. I couldn't agree more. And on this positive note, we have to end our conversation. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing your incredible experiences with us. I think we all have a lot to learn from you, and I hope that your words won't fall on their fears. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much. Thank you both.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Refugee Realities podcast series, hosted by the Department of International Development at the LSE. We have more episodes on the way, so please do stay tuned.